I want you to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, that's where we're going to be in God's Word today, Matthew chapter 1. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Uh, I do want to say thank you to Brother Jeremy and Brother Mike and Brother Brandon. Uh, those guys uh, filled in for me while we were gone on vacation to see Marty's sister in New York. And uh, I got to listen online, and it was so good. Thank you all for preaching God's Word and teaching God's Word. Uh, this morning, we're going to begin a new series and it's called the incarnation. Now, you're not going to see that word incarnation in the Bible. I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about that word and about what the incarnation means for you and for me. Uh, but I want to share a story with you. Pastor Chuck Swindoll is one of my favorite preachers. I love to, to read his books. I love to read his sermons. And in one of his sermons, he tells a Christmas story. But it's not quite the Christmas story that you're thinking of. Listen to what he says. He says, according to a legend, Satan and his demons were actually having a Christmas party. As the demonic guests were departing, one grinned and said to Satan as he was standing at the door, Merry Christmas, your majesty. At that, Satan replied with a growl, Yes, and keep it merry. Keep it very merry. Because... If they ever get serious about Christmas, we're all in trouble. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said, well, it's time to get serious, Christians, because Christmas is about the birth of the baby. Christmas is about the coming of God. Christmas is about the intervention of God's presence with us. I love that story. That, that, that Pastor Chuck shares, and I love how he went on in his sermon, and he said, you know what Satan wants to do to you, and what he wants to do to me, especially during the Christmas season? He wants us to focus on anything and everything but Jesus. Oh, he doesn't mind you looking at the tree with the lights. He doesn't mind you eating all that good food. Has anybody already started eating some good food? Yeah, he doesn't mind that. As a matter of fact, he wants you to focus on those Christmas cookies and that Christmas milk. <laughs> he wants you to focus on the lights and the decorations and the guests that come into your home and the parties that you attend. But Satan does not want you to put your eyes, your ears, and most definitely your heart on Jesus Christ. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to distract you especially during this Christmas season. So what I would like to do over these next few weeks is I would like us to think about the incarnation. What does that word mean, incarnation? Well, incarnation is actually a Latin word. And that word means being flesh or taking on flesh. That's what the word means. The incarnation, being flesh, taking on flesh. And I love what Dr. David Platt says. Dr. David Platt says the incarnation is the greatest miracle in the Bible. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. Think back in the Old Testament. What are some miracles that took place in the Old Testament? A lot of people think, well, uh, when the Red Sea was parted and, and Moses and the Israelites crossed. We've been studying the book of Joshua on Sunday nights, and if you'll remember, the Jordan River parted, right? And they walked on dry ground to the other side into the promised land. Think, think about all the miracles that took place in the Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Testament. How many miracles did Jesus perform? 
a bunch, right? The blind were given sight. The lame were able to walk again. Lepers were cleansed. We think about all these miracles, and listen, all of those things are incredible miracles, but I believe, just as David Platt believes, I believe the greatest miracle that has ever taken place is the miracle of the Incarnation. It's the greatest miracle. In the Charlie Brown Christmas special, how many of you have already watched that? <laughs> have some, all right, yeah, come on now. It's December. I, I'm going to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas story at least five times between now and Christmas. I've already watched it twice. I've only got three more to go. I might even watch it six times. I don't know. But in the Charlie Brown Christmas story, Charlie Brown asks one of the most important questions that has ever been asked. And here it is. Isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus steps up. And what does Linus say? He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Linus quotes Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Charlie Brown asks the most important question. What is Christmas all about? And Linus says it's all about the Savior. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about Jesus. And so... I want you to think about this for just a moment. The incarnation, being flesh, taking on flesh. Listen, the eternal Son of God took on flesh. And why did He do that? He did that to save us from our sins. That is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because God is with us. God is present with us. The only one who could step in and intervene was God, and he did it through the Son, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel. I love the Christmas story as told by Matthew. I love it as told by Luke. John even tells us the Christmas story, but this morning we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and I want you to think about the incarnation. Right? The greatest miracle that has ever taken place. God with us. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son... And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, when we look at the Christmas story, the Christmas story is one miracle after another. I mean, I mean, really, when you look at the Christmas story, there are miracles everywhere, miracles unfolding everywhere. But remember, the greatest miracle is the miracle of the incarnation, that, that God would take on flesh, that God would put on flesh and meet us where we are. Where are we? We're in a broken world filled with sin, and it's your sin and my sin, it's our sin. Yet God would step into this world, meet us where we are. That's the greatest miracle that has ever taken place. And so I like to look at the miracle of the incarnation as an umbrella. And underneath that umbrella there are many more miracles. As a matter of fact, we see the miracle of the virgin birth right here in Matthew chapter 1. The miracle of the virgin birth. I want you to look at that word pledged. Do you see that? It says that Mary and Joseph, right, they were pledged to be married. Another word would be engaged. Some, some scripts say betrothed. They are all important words. You see, in their day, in Mary and Joseph's day, in their culture, to be engaged, to be pledged, to be betrothed was legally binding. It was a legal binding. That means to call it off would be like our modern day divorce, Right? So this was very, very important. After a year of engagement, the couple would consummate their marriage. They would come together as one flesh, and then they would live together in the home. Now, as we see in this passage, Joseph and Mary had not yet consummated the marriage. Yet the Bible says Mary was pregnant. And she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is a miracle. This is a Christmas miracle. It's the miracle of the virgin birth. Don't miss that miracle. Only God can do this. We also see the miracle of divine intervention. Divine intervention. Can you imagine, because I tried to, can you imagine what it must have felt like to be Mary? Can you imagine what she felt like mentally, what she felt like spiritually, what she felt like physically, what she felt like relationally? She had never been with a man, even though she was engaged to Joseph. She had not yet consummated that marriage. She had not yet been with him, and here she is pregnant. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Joseph? to be engaged to this woman. Can you imagine what he felt like mentally, what he must have been thinking over and over again? The voices that he must have heard, the looks that he must have gotten. Can you imagine what he felt like? He was engaged to Mary, waiting for them to be together as one, to live together in a home, to begin a new family. From Joseph's perspective, and from what we can see in this passage, from Joseph's perspective, it was very easy for him to think that Mary's been with another man. It was the only logical explanation in his mind. He knew the law. The Bible said he was faithful to the law. He knew what the custom was. What was the custom? The custom was... She could be publicly disgraced 
and she could be stoned. That was the custom. That was the law. In their eyes, it was the right thing to do. But Joseph, as we see in this passage, wanted to divorce her quietly. He did not want to put her through public disgrace. He said he even considered it, right? What does it mean to consider? Anybody? It it means you're thinking about it, right? It, it, It means the wheels are turning. It said he considered this plan. In his eyes, it must have been a decent plan. That this is a decent plan. I could publicly disgrace her. I could have her killed, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going I'm I'm to do this quietly. I'm not going to disgrace her, even though I feel disgraced. In his mind, he's considered this, and he thinks it's a decent plan. It's a good plan, but let me ask you a question. Is it the right plan? No. You want me to tell you why? Because it's not God's plan. It's not the right plan because it's not God's plan. See, this is the miracle of divine intervention. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that an angel of God, an angel of God came to Joseph. What are the angels, what are are the angels' responsibilities? What do they do? They come to man and they deliver God's words. That's one of their primary, that's one of their primary uses, purposes. That they bring the word of God, the message of God to man. And that's exactly what happens here. Divine intervention. The angel of God says these words to Joseph, do not be afraid. Sounds a lot like the words we see in the book of Joshua, right? Sunday night crowd? Yeah, we've seen those words quite a few times. Do not be afraid. And what does God say to Joshua? He says, do not be afraid because I am with you. Don't miss that. God's been saying that from the very beginning. Don't be afraid because I am with you. And now God says to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why? Because the baby that she is carrying is of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? That means I'm with you. (laughs) Don't miss it. I am with you. And what does the angel continue to tell him? I love this. He uses a pronoun here. He's talking to Joseph. And he says, you are to give him the name Jesus. Do you see that? In other words, Joseph, this ain't all just about Mary. You are in this as well. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Angels are divine messengers of God faithfully delivering God's word and God's plans to humanity. And so I want you to see the miracle of the virgin birth, but I want you to see the miracle of divine intervention. It's God stepping in as only God can. Christmas is so special. We see the miracle of fulfilled prophecy. The miracle of fulfilled prophecy. Don't miss this because it's right here in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. Matthew in verses 22 and 23 includes the words of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. That's what he's doing. He's quoting scripture. All prophecy of God is considered miraculous. Why? Because prophecy can only happen through God's hands. 
Any prophecy that's been given. We see the prophets in the Old Testament, the minor prophets, the major prophets, any prophecy that has been given to us, only God could do it. It's not man fulfilling prophecy, it's God fulfilling prophecy. And he fulfilled the greatest prophecy right here in the virgin birth through divine intervention. I love this. The prophecy that is fulfilled in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, it's the virgin. If you'll notice, Isaiah in chapter 7 says the virgin. Right? He doesn't say a virgin. He says the virgin. In other words, God gave Isaiah the word and it was all about Mary from the very beginning. Before Mary was ever born, it was going to be her. The virgin is Mary. And she gives birth to the son. And the son's name is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. Let me tell you, Jesus is fully divine, and yet he is fully human. He's the only one. He's the only one who can fulfill that prophecy. People ask me sometimes, in this passage of Scripture, we, we see the name Jesus. Is, is he Jesus? We see the name Emmanuel. Is, is it Jesus or is it Emmanuel? My answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> he is Jesus. What does Jesus mean? It means the Savior. He is the Savior. The one who saves. He is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He is the Christ. What does that mean? He is the Messiah. And so, this is the miracle of fulfilled prophecy. Only one can be Jesus. Only one can be Emmanuel. Only one can be Christ. And He is Jesus. Don't miss the miracle of Christmas. Stephen Curtis Chapman, Brother Andy, sang a song just a few moments ago, Precious Promise. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs ever. I mean, I, I love that song. I've listened to that song for year after year after year. Stephen Curtis Chapman sings another song, and if you haven't heard it, maybe you ought to look for it. It's called The Miracle of Christmas. And throughout the song, he talks about this is the miracle of Christmas. And he talks about how Jesus came to us, Emmanuel, God with us, through the virgin birth, through divine intervention. Joseph had a mind, right, considered divorcing her, kicking her out. But God stepped in, divine intervention, and said, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take her as your wife because the baby she's carrying is of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's my presence. My presence with you. We see so many miracles unfold in the Christmas story. And they all unfold under the umbrella of the greatest miracle. The miracle of Christmas is God with us. Emmanuel. I want you to say that with me. The miracle of Christmas is God with us. Emmanuel. Say it again. God with us. Emmanuel. If you walk out of here today and you don't remember God with us. Emmanuel then you may as well walk out of here and just go on about your everyday life and forget it. Don't, don't think about the songs or what the stage looked like or who you sat by. 
You got to think about Jesus. You got to put your eyes on Jesus. You got to put your heart on Jesus. Because if you miss Jesus, you miss it all. Not just today, but each and every day. Listen, we had a good time yesterday. We were at the Ravel Christmas Parade. And we were on this float, and this float was, the theme of the float was a Christmas carol. And we had on the clothes, right? Matter of fact, my, my good buddy Jeremy played the role of Ebenezer Scrooge. Man, he looked good. He had the hair and the hat, and he was hunched over. And somebody walked by and said, Merry Christmas. And Jeremy said, Bye, humbug. Right? I don't know about you, but I love that story. I used to teach that in English class, my sophomore honors class. They, boy, they didn't like that because that was a long book. It was hard. But I love that, right? We can get so caught up in all the activities and all the things. Listen, you know, next Sunday we're going to have a Christmas festival right here, right here in our parking lot, a community Christmas festival. We want everyone to come and listen, we're going to have cookies and hot cocoa and pretzels and there's going to be a huge Christmas tree that's going to be lit. As a matter of fact, it's going to be lit by our own Mr. Gene Williams. He's going to be the, the Christmas tree lighter this year. Our choir is going to sing songs of Christmas. It's going to be so, so good. And listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with lighting a Christmas tree and decorating cookies and making ornaments to hang on the tree and, and just fellowshipping and relating with each other. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that is your focus and you miss Jesus, then you've missed it all. It'll be a 20-minute, 30-minute hour celebration and you'll go home and nothing, nothing inside of you will change. You've got to see Jesus. You've got to focus on the miracle of Christmas. God with us. Emmanuel. Those three words have changed my life. God with us. God with us. When I could do nothing about my sin, when I could do nothing to be right with God, He did something. He gave His one and only Son that if Jeff would believe in Him, he wouldn't have to perish but have everlasting life. God with us. Emmanuel. I'm going to tell you something. The miracle of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas is for you. The miracle of Christmas is for you. But you know what's sad? What's sad is that many, many people, they won't embrace this miracle. They, they, won't, they won't receive this miracle. As a matter of fact, Melissa, come here for a second. I told her a while ago I was going to have the camera zoom in real close to her face. And uh, she said, no, 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 no. We want people to keep watching. And, um, but Melissa, I've got something for you, okay? It's peppermint. Now, I'm not telling you you got bad breath or anything. I'm not telling you that. What I'm telling you is I love peppermints. And, and peppermints to me are like a Christmas candy. Uh, to me it is. I love peppermint. Every time I look at a peppermint, I think of Christmas. Right? And so what I want to do is I want to give this to you. It's, a, it's my gift to you. It's a peppermint, okay? Put your hand out. I'm going to give you. That's yours, okay? Now, Melissa could do, really, she could do one of three things. She could reject that peppermint. She could say, nope, don't want it. She could say, thank you for the peppermint, and she could put it in her pocket and go on her way. Or Melissa could do what I really wanted to do is I want you to, I want you to enjoy that right here, right now. So I'm giving you permission to eat in church. Put that... Now, that, that's right. You'd have to clean it up anyway. But, but let me ask you, does that peppermint taste good? Is it good? 
You can enjoy it, right? And, and listen to me. That's what the miracle of Christmas is like in our world today. The miracle of Christmas is for you. It's for me. It's for everyone. Thank you, Melissa. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everyone. But so many people, they reject the miracle of Christmas. Or they think about it. Right? They, they put it in their hand. Maybe they put it in their pocket. They walk around. They think about it. But for some, for some, they, they, they take it and they embrace it. Listen Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Luke 19, verse 10. He said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus knew what He came to do. And Jesus did it. He came to seek and to save the lost. I love what John says in his letter. In 1 John Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, listen to what John says. He says, My children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And listen to what he says in verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. So listen to me. The miracle of the Christmas is for you. But it's not just for you. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. And the miracle of Christmas is God with us. Emmanuel. God came to do what only He could do. And He came to do it for you. And if you miss Emmanuel, if you miss Jesus, then you miss the miracle. And without the miracle, you can't be right with God. There's a poem by Leslie Savage. It's, it's a simple poem. It's really, it's four lines. Listen to what Leslie Savage wrote about Christmas. She said, A baby's hands in Bethlehem were small and softly curled, but held within their dimpled grasp is the hope of all the world. <laughs> what a simple little poem. But what a powerful message. So my question is, have you embraced the miracle of Christmas? Have you embraced God with us, Emmanuel? Have you embraced the hope of the world? His name is Jesus. If you have not, you can. The Bible tells us that we are sinners, that it is our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that is punishable by death. The wages of sin is death. And it's not just physical death, it's eternal death. Eternal separation from God. The Bible says there's a heaven and a hell. And those who reject Jesus Christ, those who reject God with us, Emmanuel, they're going to have to suffer the punishment of their sin, that eternal separation in a place called hell. And hell is described as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of eternal damnation, a place of eternal fire. But the Bible says we can repent of our sin and experience times of refreshment. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. We can repent of our sin. That means we, we own it. It's me. It's, it's my sin. God, I did that. I'm guilty. But God, I turn from it. I, I, I don't want that anymore. I give it to you. I know that Jesus came. God with us, Emmanuel, He came. 
And he came to seek and to save the lost. I am the lost. Jesus came to seek and save me through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so I repent of my sin and I embrace and accept Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the hope of the world in my heart. The Bible says that when I repent and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I am saved. In that moment, I embrace the miracle of Christmas, Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, and in that moment, I'm changed forever. And here's the thing, it's still changing me today. It's called sanctification. Being more and more like Christ each and every day in the way I think, in the way I see, in the way I speak, in the way that I walk, in the way that I touch. And so my question is, have you embraced that miracle in your life? The incarnation. God in flesh. God taking on flesh. You remember what John said in his gospel, and I'll close with this. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it said the Word became flesh. Right? In John chapter 1, he says the Word was with God. The Word was God, and He was with God. He's talking about Jesus. And then in verse 14, he said, the word became flesh. In other words, he stepped out of heaven and he stepped down onto earth. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. Have you embraced him? Is he your miracle of Christmas? If not, he can be. You don't have to walk out of this place the way you walk in. You can walk out changed. You can walk out different. If you walk in lost, you can walk out saved. If you walked in saved, you can walk out saved with a hallelujah. Right? And a praise the Lord. And you can walk out and tell other people, hey, I love the tree, but let me tell you what it's all about. It's about Jesus. Thank you for the invitation to eat the food. Man, this is good. Thank God for Jesus. Put the focus back on Jesus and keep it there. Because remember what Chuck Swindoll said in his story to begin. Right? Satan wants you to be merry and nothing else. Oh, be merry. Keep it on the merry. Keep it on the merry. Don't let it be about Christ. Because if they ever get focused on Christ, we're in trouble. Satan knows. Satan knows. He's trying to stretch it out as long as he can. But I'm going to tell you something. One day Jesus is coming back. And he's going to put it to an end. He's my miracle. Is he yours?